0: The title of the message is Eyes Wide Open to God's Power and Purpose. And we're going to begin, actually let's just begin reading here in verse 15, though we're going to cover verse 19 down to verse 23, but we'll get the complete thought. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15, it reads the following, Paul is writing, he says, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... Do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my what's the next word you guys prayers all right so he's praying for them that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory we have the most incredible father <laughs> i mean may give to you this is very important the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of let's all say the next word you guys him all right verse 18 The eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know. And that word know there is not just, you know, something abstract or theoretical, but know crystal clear, pixelation, technicolor, experience. You may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the, let's all say it, dead, seated him, this is big, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Verse 22, And he put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, Credible statement here, the fullness of him, the fullness of Christ who fills all in all whoa you may have a seat at this time all right let's get a little running start you know you know there have been throughout history discoveries made that have changed generations and changed the course of humanity in one way shape or form has had a big impact upon the world like i'm thinking for example and i don't know when it took place but the discovery of fire you know um I mean, could you imagine, <laughs> you know, imagine we're so used to seeing fire, but imagine if you never saw fire like until you're like 30 years of age, you know, and, and then, oh my goodness gracious, that this thing that is before me that's, you know, you know, bringing such heat and um, and such beauty and light and things. Of course, there was a time when man discovered fire and then uh, he discovered the wheel and of course, more, you know, modern man, electricity and atomic energy, And penicillin and the theory of disease and the computer chip and radio waves and communication and so forth. I mean, throughout history, there have been discoveries made that have had a big impact upon humanity, upon a generation, upon generations. Okay, here's why I say that. Because what Paul is doing at this time is praying for a, quote, discovery, in quote, of a little different sort. He's praying that the Ephesians would have their eyes open, not to electricity, not to, you know, the reality of fire or penicillin. Those things are fantastic. But he's praying that their eyes would be open. This is very important. To the power. Okay, to the power that is theirs already in Christ. So he's praying not for power. He's praying that their eyes would be open to the power that already exists in their life as Christians. And if you notice here in verse 19, you guys, it's almost like Paul is overtaken because he's piling up these adjectives. Trying to identify this phenomenal power. In fact, just look look for the word exceeding there in the New King James Version. In the the Greek, it's the Greek word "hooper." We get our word super from it. You know, the term greatness, oh, I think we have it up on the screen. There it is. Greatness um, is megathos in the Greek. We get our word megaton. The word power there is dynamis in the Greek. We get our word dynamite. So it's like Paul is saying, you guys, I am praying, okay, watch this, that the Holy Spirit The presence of Almighty God, open your understanding. Like, you know, you can see certain things under a microscope or something, you know, or you can see certain things when you really put your mind to it. But in this case, what Paul is saying is that the Holy Spirit, who is indwelling a believer, comes alongside a believer, Fleshly comes upon a believer, is in our midst even right now. By the way, how many of you believe that? Just raise your hand, you guys. Yes, we believe in the active presence of God. Watch this he would illuminate your understanding. which The fact that Paul is praying for this tells us that there could be degrees and there are clearly degrees to the understanding and the experience actually of this, what? This super megaton dynamite of God. That's kind of what he's saying. It's like, my goodness, this is just beyond what we could in a natural way wrap our minds around. We need the Holy Spirit actually to open our understandings afresh to it. Now he's speaking to Christians here. Well, let me just say, maybe you're here for the first time, so glad you're with us. Because let me tell you, I really believe one of the reasons the Lord has you here because he's going to open your eyes. Now of course, I'm not talking about necessarily the eyes in one's skull. I'm talking about the eyes of one's heart. You know, Paul was called by the Lord to open people's eyes, to give them the truth of who Christ is, that then they would make the most important decision in their life, turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins, and then also this incredible wealth of inheritance ultimately that is in Christ and everything is moving towards just that. But he said to the leaders of his day, hey, the Lord's called me to open people's eyes. It wasn't, of course, physical eyes. It was like open the eyes of their understanding and their heart to the greatest reality of who Jesus Christ is. And you know what? I believe that's gonna happen in some of your hearts here this morning. Your eyes are gonna be open. Then you're gonna be faced with the decision what are you gonna do with it? And we're praying that you would receive God's love and gift in Christ and you would turn to him as your Lord and Savior. Now, here's the thing. I wanna get back to context Paul is speaking to believers here. interesting. He's speaking to believers, and he's praying that their eyes would be open, which implies there can be degrees to this, but he's praying that their eyes would be open, as I said, not in a theoretical or an abstract way to this power, but that they would experience this power that is in Christ. Let me try to illustrate just a little bit this, you know. Um... I think of D.L. Moody, the great evangelist years ago, kind of the Billy Graham of his day. He was being mocked by an atheist. Uh, I mean, one could have their eyes open to the theory of atheism, right? Or one could have their eyes open to the theory of relativism or deconstructionism or postmodernism, these theories, these philosophies. But what power is in those things, right? Anyways, getting back to the story, D.L. Moody is being mocked by this atheist. I can't believe you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and he's just ridiculing him and things. And D.L. Moody turned to him and in effect, I'll paraphrase it, he said, I'll tell you what, I'll debate you next Saturday on the spot. You bring 10 people whose lives have been changed, who have been healed, whose kids have been rescued from this or that because they believe in atheism and i'll i'll bring a hundred people in a drop of a dime whose lives have been impacted and changed by the power of of jesus christ well the guy never showed up you know all right because the point is is that there's no power in philosophy but my goodness gracious there's incredible power in the gospel i mean paul said that the gospel is the power of god to salvation oh, I totally believe it, a power that is enlightened and healed and empowered and rescued and given hope and regenerated. And and what Paul is doing here is a few things before we get to the text, you guys, but just get this, okay? He's praying that their eyes are opened, okay, to this incredible power, but he's praying that they would experience this power afresh because we all know it's one thing, To actually believe that God loves us it's something entirely different to really really know he does to really have that come into full pixelation if you will or greater pixelation and color and understanding I mean it's like we all know that God is all powerful but it's something entirely different to in the moment my goodness my father the father of glory has really big muscles and I can trust him I mean, it's, it's one thing to know of these things. It's another thing to know them in a real and personal way on a daily basis. And this is where the work of God's Spirit comes in. And this is what he's praying for, that you might experience these things. And, and he shows us this power, okay? We're going to get to the text just a little bit. He shows us this power that's been demonstrated and communicated and evidenced and how it even exists today. In the indwelling of God's spirit, filling his church, filling our lives. This, this power that is in Christ that was demonstrated. If you look at verse 20, demonstrated by the resurrection of Christ. I think we have the verse and the phrase up here, you know, what is the exceeding greatness of the power towards us who believe? Actually, maybe it's uh, are we a little, oh, where is that one? Verse 20. Let's go to verse 20. Okay. Which, there it is, which worked in Christ when he raised him from the, can everybody say the next word, from the dead. Okay, here's the point, though. You know, what does this tell us but that God took the worst thing that ever took place, we talked about this last week, that ever took place in human history. Okay, we're talking about what power, like he's praying that we would have our eyes open. Well, my goodness, you see it in the resurrection, of Jesus from the dead because like that's like the worst thing that's ever took in place, taken place in human history, this attempt of deicide to murder Messiah, the Son of God. And yet God takes like the worst thing that took place in history and he turns it around to be the best thing that ever happened. So it's like, well, what does the Lord want to open our eyes to? Is it is is this telling us that there's this great power in Christ that is working in death and suffering and brokenness, and when our heads are spinning, when we feel that our life is in a vice as believers? The answer is yes. There is a phenomenal power taking place. Um, in fact, you know we've talked about you know many weeks, but Romans. 8.28, it tells us that this power is so big that he causes all things to work for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's like, how, how many of you, like, really believe that? And, 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 and why wouldn't one believe that, actually? Why wouldn't one find comfort in that. I mean, here's the thing, the Holy Spirit really wants to bring that home to us. Sometimes what confuses us is life is hard. It's difficult. Not all things that take place in our life are in fact good. Now, sometimes it looks like God's work in our life is the opposite of what the Bible says it should be. And this is where a good understanding of God's power comes in because God's love is in fact redemptive. In fact, the Bible says, you know, that the earth is full of his glory. It's like, even on planet earth, we can see his redemptive power, if you will, in in nature itself. We actually see resurrection in nature. Like, if you, for example, just kind of illustrate, if you, for example you know, want to get stronger and make a contribution to your team and you go to the coach and say, you know, coach, I, I I want to, you know, play a more significant role in the team. You know, how can I do The Coach might say is what you need to do. Basically, I'm going to give you a workout. You need to get stronger. The idea is actually things need to be broken down in your life. Then there will be a resurrection and you'll come back with greater strength. Or maybe you go to a doctor and say, man, I feel sick and I want to be healthy. And the first thing the doctor does is he cuts you open. And, 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 it's, and it's something that obviously is painful, but it, it results in healing and greater strength. Listen, Paul is, is saying, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes to this incredible power in Christ demonstrated okay we see it demonstrated in the resurrection of the lord jesus that same power is working in your life all things for the good can i hear a big amen to that and here's the thing please hear me it's like we have no idea the significance of our life really and really what's taking place in the here and now we don't we don't really get the 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 perspective until, ultimately, until the whole race is done, if you will. It's almost like, you know, here we are in 2014. I don't know. We're, you know, a part of the last leg prior to the return of Jesus, and we've just been given the baton and we're running. And we may feel like we're a little behind the race, but we've picked up on, you know, we've, you know, made some ground and we're out ready to hand it off to the next generation, our kids and our grandchildren. Look, the reality is, we, we really don't really have a clear as the picture of what's going on in our life through the power of the gospel. That, that was demonstrated in the resurrection. He's causing all things to work for the good until ultimately the entire race is complete. And Paul is praying that the eyes of the Ephesians are open, that they may really know. So, so it's just like, I just. Look, I, I know some of you are suffering and going through difficulties, and I just want, I'm just, where it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit would really bring this truth that the very power that resurrected Jesus from the dead took something that was the worst thing in history, turned around for the greatest reality in history. That is the power that is working in your life right now. You be encouraged. And this includes the reality that Jesus, please look at verse 20, Jesus is seated at his right hand in the heavenly places. Look, this tells us that in fact, Jesus is the king. I mean, do, do we really know this today? Now, here's the thing, you guys. Um... Let's sit on this for a little bit. Let's be good Bible students, okay? When it tells, tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand in heavenly places, it's like, boy, that's a loaded idea. Contextually, it's a reference to a monarchy. And the idea is that someone on the right hand of the monarch is in equal honor and power. Okay? Now, looking at this through the lens of Psalm 2 and Psalm 110 and Psalm 118, right through a Hebraic lens, a Jewish lens, if you will, um, this is code for the fact that Jesus is in fact the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. He is the one that brings righteousness to the earth, God's glory to the earth, and subdues his enemies. That, that's like, I mean, this is like a major code phrase, right hand of the king, which, of course, speaks to us. I mean, just think of the meanings. Don't, don't get so much wrapped up in the image of, like, right hand of a, of a throne. Think of what it means. Because what it's saying is, is that Jesus is, has, you know, is equal to the sovereign of the universe. In fact, he, we know the Bible says, is the king of the universe, and it's real code through a Hebraic Jewish lens. He is, in fact, the Messiah. Psalm 110 says, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Psalm 16: The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Now look, the fact that Paul is saying, Guys, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, okay, who's not some vibe or some power, but we're talking about the presence of God himself, would really bring the the power of Christ and what it means to be in Christ in pixelation, technicolor to your life in a big way and draw you to Christ. Um, The the fact that he's doing this and now is referencing Jesus at the right hand of the Father is speaking to us of the fact that he wants our eyes open to The fact that Jesus, look, he is the king. How many of you know that 40 days after Jesus resurrected, he ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem? How many of you know that? Just raise your hand. Awesome, you guys. Now, what did that mean? Okay, because the fact that, okay, Paul has given us this picture that Jesus is the right hand of the Father, tells us that this was demonstrated to us. And it was demonstrated when Jesus ascended to heaven. And when Jesus ascended to heaven, Acts chapter 1, it's recorded. When he ascended to heaven, it wasn't so much a spatial ascension as he's up in the clouds as a demonstration of position and authority it's like we've talked about this many times the queen of england who ascends to her throne and it was a demonstration that jesus is the king you say are you sure about that is that what he's really saying absolutely look at verse 21 you know he's at the right hand all right of the father far above all principality and power and might and dominion, which are all these code words for the fact that Jesus is greater than any godless demonic influence or power. That's what it's saying. That he's far above every name that is named. Okay, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. I mean, like... What are you talking about, name that is named? How about the UN or the Knesset or Congress or Socrates or Muhammad or Islam? I mean, we we are talking, (laughs) he is way above those realities. Can I hear another amen to that? That's what he's saying. Okay, And the big idea is, while well, Jesus is no longer in space and time and bodily form, confined to space and time, he's on the throne in a position where he's now actually more present in our life than ever. It's like the ascension of Jesus was a demonstration. There's no one greater than him. I mean... Look, the biggest mistake I think of people make when they consider Christianity is they actually pull Jesus down. You know, I mean, he's much bigger than we often think. He is the king. The king. Uh, son of God, God the Son, God became a man. I mean, I mean, the idea even from a Jewish perspective that the the Almighty, the Eternal One, would localize himself or manifest his glory in a localized way is clearly biblical. I mean, my goodness gracious, the Lord manifested his presence when the children of Israel exited out of Egypt, transitioning into the promised land. You have the Shekinah glory of God. You have the glory of God coming over Jerusalem. And you have the glory of the eternal one, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ incarnation God tabernacling with us and the fact that he ascended to heaven big realities there isn't it? Is a demonstration that in fact he is my goodness gracious he is the king you know on Thursdays I, I'm meeting with a group of young men I'm having such a great time young men they're young husbands they're young fathers and and, and there are three main questions we're going after. And one is it's like, who is Jesus? And who is he to you? And the last question are what are the def- priorities that define your life? And to me, those are the most important questions in life. And we're learning that it's impossible actually to answer the third question. Like, what are to be the priorities of your life that are to define your life as a young man, as a husband, as a father, unless you answer the first two questions. It's like I, I have no idea why I even exist and what are to be the chief values that are to define my life unless I really have a clear understanding of who Jesus is in truth, and of course make that reality of who he is true in my life. And and we need to be men whose eyes are opened to the great and women, to the greatest reality of all and that is the person and work of Jesus. And so far from this passage we see that Jesus is now no longer merely this itinerant You know, Galilean Jewish prophet who came to revolutionize first century Judaism. I mean, what we learn here is that, my goodness gracious, he's God Himself. He is the King. Isaiah would talk about Him as the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life is really afresh. Bring that home to us in pixelization this morning. And it's a work of God's Spirit, you guys. It's not something we can muscle. It literally is an inspiration of the presence of God, illumining our heart, taking the truth of God's Word, and bringing it in living color to our lives. In verse 22, please look at it. It says, he put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Oh, man, that's really big ideas there. Let me just get a little running start. You know, we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks how life is not seculatory, it doesn't run in cycles, but it's linear. That everything is moving towards the Lord Jesus, is moving towards the reign of the King. Okay? And if you go back, I really want us to go back. If you go back to Father Abraham, and you ask the question, why did the Lord, like, call this man who's not a Jew? I mean, he's, you know, he's among the nations, right? He's going to. Create a people of Israel And why did he call This man This one man Why did he do it Well he did it to reveal himself To And ultimately through his descendants Abraham, Isaac and Jacob To reveal himself to And through the people of Israel To bless The entire world So just Pause here real quick. I mean, it's like, okay, I mean, again, yeah, I mean, we have no idea why we exist, who God is unless he reveals himself. He chose Abraham to reveal himself to and through. Totally believe in the chosen people of God. Still believe in it today. Unique call upon their life. Okay, so he chose a single individual. Why? Why did he choose Abraham? To reveal himself to Abraham, the truth of who he is, and ultimately through his descendants, reveal himself through and bless the entire world in Messiah. Now, the re- reason he singles out Israel was not just for Israel to delight in the law, the Torah, the instructions of Almighty God, but to be a light to the whole world and to fill the world with the knowledge and glory of God. You say, oh, that will happen when Messiah comes. No, Messiah has come and that is happening. I mean, I mean, it's through his church. It's through us. That the glory and the knowledge of the true and living God that brings healing and redemption and wholeness is being made known. I mean, the reality is, is that people all throughout the world are worshiping the Lord God of Israel in Messiah, the Lord Jesus, because of the church because of the body of jesus christ how many of you are tracking with me you guys on that all right very important boy i mean just those last couple minutes there if you get that you understand so much of the bible in the meantime what the ascension tells us is you guys that when jesus ascended could be said he raised the scepter and he sent us out as ambassadors of christ and we are, therefore, as Paul wrote, Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So in other words, what started with Abraham and you know, Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes, and ultimately Messiah, blessing the entire world. And well, I mean, the Messiah has come and is blessing the entire world, and he's doing so through his church, who... F- who he fills all in all. It's like, my goodness gracious, from the demonstration of the resurrection to his ascension, this incredible power at play, my goodness, he actually indwells us as king's kids. It's like, my, whoa. The ascension tells us that Jesus didn't take the position of, you know, I'm going to do it myself, but I'm going to work through an imperfect people. I'm going to work through like these sinners to bring grace and redemption to a needy world. And you guys, we need to, we need to keep moving. It's like if you ever wonder, man, what, what should I be doing at this time of my life? What's going on? I'm really going through it. Just, I mean, just keep moving. <laughs> keep moving in faith and trust and obedience. Keep moving forward. I, I, I think of when the angels ask, the disciples, you know, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Of course, this was in the context, Acts chapter 1, verse 11, of them witnessing his ascension, and they're like, my goodness, jaw-dropping reality was taking place. But he said, why are you standing here, gazing up into heaven? I, I, I mean, what was the intent of the question? Because who wouldn't be in awe, right? Taking in the moment. Was it to draw out a confession, you know, we're we're standing here because Jesus is the king, or was it a gentle kind of prodding, okay, you guys, like, just as the Lord said, I I have work for you to do. I mean, what started with Abraham is, is continuing now in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, filling the earth with the glory and the knowledge of God. Listen to me. What would this world be like without the gospel of Jesus? Have you ever even thought of that? I mean, some parts of the world, women are, I mean, a lot of parts of the world, they still are horribly mistreated. I mean, what would the United States look like? I don't want to be dramatic. Would it look like some Islamic state? I mean, without the light and the love and the redemptive work of Jesus Christ? I mean, thank God for Jesus. Can I hear an amen to that? I mean, like big time. It's like, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit just, that's what Paul says, open your eyes, man, to this. It's not like praying for more power. Oh my goodness, he actually indwells you, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. What I'm praying is, is that he opens your eyes to the reality of who you really are. And you see, when that angel said, you know, why are you stand gazing? I mean, maybe it was to evoke, you know, an answer, well, Man, we, oh my goodness gracious, he's the king, you know, or it was a gentle prod. Okay, boys, get back to Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Cause you know what? The, the king is just a sin and he's just touching your shoulders. You go out in the, in the name of Messiah to impact your generation. It, but I'll, I'll tell you, it dealt, it does tell us in principle Christianity is not some static reality. I mean, if you're standing still spiritually, and faith and love, obedience, there's a good chance you're actually backsliding. And I love the way the Lord communicated this to Israel on the eve of entering the promised land. And the Lord said, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. you know, and what is the Lord saying? But that he had given Israel this specific possession and they needed to go possess it. And it's like being in Christ, it's similar in a lot of ways. There are possessions that the Lord wants us to possess. And it's like if you're saying, look, I've given you this land of releasing that person of, of, of of the debt you're holding over their head. And I just, I want you to forgive them and you know, and partly because I want to heal you and I don't want you under that injury and I just let it go. Bring it to the Lord in prayer. I forgive this person and, and, and horizontally I'm going to be kind and walk in love and I'm just going to keep doing that because emotionally it can be difficult but Lord, I'm going to release this. I'm going to forgive them. I'm not going to hold this debt over their head. I mean, he's given us that land. He's forgiven us. He wants us to forgive others. He's given us the land to strong Stand strong amidst temptation. The land of obedience to make Jesus known. The land of honoring our marital vows. The land of finishing well. The land of receiving the unconditional love of Christ. The land of being his hands and feet in this generation. Okay, now we're going to pause here for a second. It seems to me, you guys, kind of the elephant in the room in this, with this message is that the prayer, excuse me, prayer, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, because Paul is praying for them, that their eyes will be open. that prayer and the ministry of the Holy Spirit work hand in glove let me just kind of say that again. Please hear me. Okay, so prayer, like looking to the Lord in prayer. And his presence working in our life, work hand in glove to explode the greatest realities that we've been talking about that are in Christ. That, that prayer, in other words, is important to this. That's what I'm trying to say. And this is why we asked last week, could we be limiting a work of the Spirit by our failure to pray? It's a very legit question. Remember, when the Lord was in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is east of the Kidron Valley at the base of the Mount of Olives. Gethsemane means oil press. He had just celebrated the Passover with the disciples He had identified a betrayer, Judas. Judas is now leading 600 soldiers to his arrest. He knows where the Lord is hanging out during the Passover in the Gethsemane there, probably a private garden. Maybe he knew the owner. I don't really know all the details, but there he is, and he's sweating drops of blood, and it's incredibly intense. And he tells Peter, James, and John, you guys, you, you need to watch and pray. I mean, this is a time you've got to go vertical. It's very, very important. Keep your eyes open, not only physically, but spiritually as well. It's, it's the implication is that if you don't pray, you don't go vertical, okay, there may be a limiting of a work that I want to accomplish in your life or, or something I want to save you from. I mean, I'm telling you, right on the eve of something really self-defeating if you're not careful, and I want to fight it with everything I have without except violating your will, you need to pray. Guys, you need to watch and pray. And it's like the Lord is fighting ignorance, and he was fighting unnecessary pain and self-defeat and denial and just waste. Pray, 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 pray. It's like, what about us? You know, James 4, 2 says, We have not because we ask not. I mean, mean, think of of that, the nature of asking for something. You know, what you're asking for says something about you. I mean, if you are bringing a request before God, it, it says something about your belief in God. And if you ask for something, does it not imply that you are ready to receive it. I mean, sometimes something could be offered to you, maybe you even want it, but you didn't ask for it at that particular time, and therefore you're not ready to receive it. L- let, me, let me say that again. I think this is super important. <laughs> maybe the Lord wants to give you, bless you with the ministry of His Spirit in your life, but it's important that you're ready for it, that you're open and receptive to it can I hear an amen to that? I mean, could it be that the Lord wants to give you something, but you don't want it? And because you don't want it, you're not in a place to even receive it? Because when you ask for something, generally it says you want something and you're ready to receive it. kind of reminds me of that adage, you can't steer a parked car. You know, it needs to be moving. And You know, for even parents or teachers or coaches, you know, it's very difficult to actually teach someone or enlighten them or move them from A to B if they don't want it. If they're just like, no, I'm hard-headed or I'm just not interested. If you don't, well, it's very hard to move something if they don't want to be moved. And all of that to say, you guys, this morning I, I really believe that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us to go vertical in prayer. I mean, here we're coming to the end of this chapter, which is phenomenal. Why don't you ask the Lord for just a beautiful, clear vision of who he is? I mean, the, the, the king. I mean, why not ask the Lord for a fresh outpouring of his spirit? And why don't you ask that the Holy Spirit just explode the realities of the power of Christ in your life today. I mean, I think of Isaiah, who had that vision of the king, and he's like, whoa, man, you know, just the angels around the throne, holy, 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 the Lord's indescribable, and, you know, holy is such a great term. It's all of his incredible attributes in one, and he's humbled by it. And he's on his face, and the Lord touches him and heals him. It's kind of a picture of salvation. And then he stands up, raises up, and he's like, Lord, you know, if you want to work in it through my life, I'm paraphrasing it, here I am, send me. Oh, I... Paul is praying that the eyes of your understanding be given just great understanding, spirit of revelation about the incredible power it was clearly demonstrated in resurrection, in ascension, and it indwells you. and and I, and I think it's I think I think that's what the Lord wants us to do. This morning. I really want to encourage you, allow Him to get personal with you. I want to. Ask, here, here's what we're going to do. We're we're gonna we're gonna pray, and we're we're going to sing that song "Rushing Wind" again, which is just an awesome song written by Keith Green, which I. Love that song so much. But I want to encourage you to make it a prayer this morning. Um, And then we're going to sing another beautiful song uh, as well. And I'm going to ask Sarah to come out. Is she back there? Let's pray. Father, just thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you for how, Lord, you, you have just brought to us such beautiful encouragement and perspective. Uh, about your God's incredible power, your power, but then also, Lord, the purpose of our life as well. And I, I believe, Lord, you want to bring just fresh, fresh revelation with a fresh outpouring of your spirit in all of our life. You want to generously bless us with yourself. And... Lord, I, I pray for a spirit of revival. I pray for a spirit of awakening, Lord, in all of our hearts and lives. And I want to pray, Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, that you would be drawing them to yourself. As Lord, behind the cross and behind your incredible love and paying the debt of our sin is the glory of the Father. And I just want you to know while we're in attitude of prayer, look, there is a heavenly Father who totally loves you and totally wants to have relationship with you. That's why he sent his only begotten Son to bridge the gap between you and and him. And I'm going to have something to say to you in just a little bit, but I want you to be thinking, maybe you're here for the first time or you've been a few times, but you've yet to open your heart to Christ. Because he wants to open your eyes to him. And then you're faced with the decision whether or not you're going to open your heart for him to come take residence in your life. And and, and let me just tell you that he he only responds to those who invite him. He will not force himself upon you. And I'm going to say a few things more to you in a little bit. But I want you to be thinking about that the decision that you're gonna make for Christ.